Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Now, tonight, I want to open a conversation on um, a very interesting truth concerning Jesus Christ and his relationship to the whole mystery and understanding of truth. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody gets to the Father except through me. The Bible says in Hebrews, the first chapter, from the first verse, if you will read from the Amplified Version, the Bible says that in many separate revelations, each of which set forth a portion of the truth. In many separate revelations, each of which set forth a portion of the truth, and in different ways, God spoke to our forefathers in and by the prophets. But in the last days, the Bible says he has spoken to us in the person of a son whom he appointed heir and lawful owner of all things, also by through whom he created the worlds and the reaches of space and the ages of time he made, produced, built, operated, and arranged them in order. Now, my emphasis is going to begin from the first sentence there, where he says, in many separate revelations, each of which set forth a portion of truth in different ways. So God takes us back through the law of Moses and the prophets and all the exceptional graces that he ordained in human history. Each one recognizing that they all brought a particular portion of the truth. They came with portions of truth. And those portions that were given in their times were relevant for that hour and sufficient for that dispensation, that generation and that glory to exist to the bigger picture that God had in that time as the world evolved and transitioned into the next spaces of glory and destiny. So when we see a man like Adam, Adam, the first man, and Eve come with a certain portion of the revelation of truth because they are created in the image and likeness of God. They're the first example of humanity. And there are many patterns with which we learn concerning God's mind toward man before the fall and after the fall. Then we see them have children, we see Enos, 
we see the generations, the Lamics, and each of those comes, and all of them are set in particular truths. The Enochs, Abraham, the Noahs, the prophets that come through, Ezekiel, Isaiah, the judges, Samson, and the rest, and Samuel the priests, the kings, and God is saying, in all human order studying these people, all of them set forth a portion of a truth. They all could just contribute a portion of the truth. And unfortunately, human history has showed us that certain people in life get stuck on particular portions of truth and they lose the bigger picture and holistic mind of God concerning the mystery of truth. Look at world religions. Look at the faiths of the world. Look at the divisions in doctrine, the debates in theology, the contentions of experiences in the spirit. When you go, say, to a Roman Catholic, in all the truths that were set in human history, there's a portion the Roman Catholic gets a hold of too. And then you find that much as the Christ says, he's the way, the truth, and the life, nobody gets to the Father, save through him, the Roman Catholic will look for Mary and say, pray for us. She becomes a mediator. But that's the truth the Roman Catholic Church will choose to hold. Judaism. It beheld the truths of Moses. And all of them were true. But it ended on the portion of truths that Moses could give. We saw the disciples of John the Baptist. At one point we see later in the New Testament. Contentions and misinterpretations of things between the Disciples of John and the disciples of Jesus because one held one doctrine, one portion of truth. If you're a reader of theology, you'll see that there are ideas, portions of truths that were given by particular individuals in human history. Even later histories, Calvin, they call it Calvinism. Jacobus Arminius, Arminianism. You hear all manner of isms, the Lutherans. And all these kinds of ideas that are spread through history. But all of these people are setting in forth portions of the truth. And some are not even on the truth. They are supposedly speaking truth, but some of them are not even attached to the whole mystery and interpretation of truth. So we see portions coming through. And it is possible in present day, 2020, even for a ministry to get stuck with a particular portion of the truth and run their lives to the end of it all. Like anybody else has done in the past. Like many priests, prophets, and men that were ordained by God to serve God in that dispensation. And it's okay if your conversation begins from the Old Testament dispensation. Because a lot had not changed in the spirit realm 
before the death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But to be in the present truth dispensation and then function like an Old Testament dispensation person, it short-circuits the ministry of God concerning your life. Why? Because he told you, all of these people from back in the day set forth portions, each with a particular portion of truth, in different ways and in diverse forms of revealing God. But now the Bible says, in the last days, God has spoken to us in the person of a son called Jesus Christ, the lawful owner of all things, and who through whom he created the worlds and all the spaces and ages of time. Now he has said, I am no longer connecting 20 people, each with portions of truth to carry the New Testament. I'm not getting a collection of different portions to come together for me to carry the church in the New Testament. I have put all of these things in the total sum of one person called Jesus. That if you can get this man and understand him, if you can study this man fully and comprehend him, you don't need any other portion to feel. The reason I say that is, I've seen how we have mixed ourselves with many instructors and instructions. How we have given ourselves to the things that supposedly are good and are not worthy, but they are not necessarily established in the foundation of the voice that we have been given for the hour to speak to us. And so you find that a Christian is quoting the Bible, but then tomorrow they go into a self-help group, self-help teachings, self-improvements. They're studying books of men who are teaching about positive thinking, but without the testimony of Jesus. And much as these things they share are by and large good, because they can pass for acceptable in the realm of the spirit. But they are still inferior to the person of Jesus Christ. And before you know that, sometimes we see that many Christians are actually more taught by the wisdom of the world than they are taught by the wisdom of God. And yes, they can have a few testimonies, a few results, because some of these principles that are spoken and taught in the world are biblical in their own sense, except that Satan now has crafted the art of trying to define certain principles to work in the world and prove to Christians that we don't need your God, but we can use your principles and still make it. And so some of the principles that are even driven in Scripture written in scripture, now in the world are being taught by the new age. 
by self-improvement gurus, by yoga teachers, and all manner of people. They're teaching them now some of the principles of Scripture. And because God is a God of principle and pattern, for example, if thanksgiving is a principle, it's very clear. When he gave thanks, God multiplied the bread. In all things, give thanks. Thanksgiving a principle. And so in the world, these fellows will teach and tell you, learn to be grateful or carry gratitude in your heart. Carry gratitude. Have a grateful heart. Mother Earth will favor you. The energies of the universe will align themselves for you. If you learn to have gratitude, you wake up in the morning and say thank you. And in the world, they say that. And it could work for them because some principles are aligned to work whether a man has a relationship with God or does not have a relationship with God. I was dealing with a Christian last year who was telling me, oh, you know, I was learning about meditation and yoga. And, you know, yoga, it's improving my life. I've learned how to, you know, meditate. I've learned how to reflect and, you know, zonk out my mind. And, and I'm thinking, how did this person get to the level of finding meditation through Eastern occultism? How did they connect to Kundalini, the serpent power, and they're born again, but they're doing yoga? Why? Because you see, they don't yet know the truth. They don't yet understand the truth. But in the Bible, there's a biblical definition of meditation. In the Bible, meditation is not the emptying of the mind. It's not the looking into the self. It's contrary. In the Bible, our meditation is looking unto Jesus, which is the author and the finisher of our faith. Looking unto Jesus. Meditating through the word. But then a Christian substituted the word for yoga. And asked myself, how did they get to this deception? It is because they do not understand Christ. The full revelation of truth. They don't understand truth. So the world has and will give different options. The new age fellows have learned this art. Positive thought. Positive confession. And all these things, by the way, they speak, I can give you a scripture for. And they have the results for. Imagining a thing and creating it, they've learned how to transact in the spirit realm and get the results that a Christian is supposed to get by the word. And now, the new deception has come into the church and in the world because Satan is trying to show that I'm actually starting to produce results without the piety, the commitment, the prayer, the fastings, the submissions, the attendances of your ministries. I'm starting to also produce equal or even better results in this world of darkness, in this secular world, than you Christians are able to produce in your own people who you teach. Because even the attention span of human beings has been thoroughly robbed of the devil. 
It is hard for somebody to even sit before a teacher, a good teacher, for 15 minutes. It's hard for people to give heed to sound doctrine and the interpretation of the things of the Spirit. The inferior or the smaller portions of truth, sometimes if the amplifications of these portions cannot point to the person of Jesus Christ, I've realized that we start to give in so much to inferior things. And sometimes we lose Christ in the way, yet we're not supposed to. Why? Because we don't have the ability to see with a bigger eye of truth. Because Jesus has not been set forth as he must be set forth in the mystery of truth that must be preached. The Bible says, In uh, Matthew, the 17th chapter, I'll begin from the first verse. If you read the the Amplified Version. The Bible says, six days after, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up on the mountain by themselves. And his appearance underwent a change in their presence. And his face shone clear and bright like the sun. And his clothing became as white as light. And behold, there appeared to them, Moses and Elijah, who kept talking with Jesus. So James, John, and Peter have gone with the Christ. He has called them, and he's far off praying, and immediately he starts to radiate. He's shining. And in a vision, openly, Moses and Elijah appeared to them. So the Christ is present. Elijah, which represents the prophets, is present. Moses which represents the law, is present. Because remember, the total sum of the Old Testament is the prophets and the law. That's the Old Testament. If you want to understand the other dispensation, you only look at the prophets and the law. That is the total sum of the holistic ministry of the Old Dispensation. So Elijah appearing, Moses appearing, they were representing the two realms, the realms of the prophetic and all the prophets that could have come or should have come. And Moses is a representation of the law and anything that could have touched the laws of God. So they appear. And the Bible says, and Peter began to speak and say to Jesus, Lord, it is good and delightful that we are here. If you approve, I want to put three boots here. One for you. Listen, one for Moses and one for Elijah. That right there, that thing within Peter, that wants to put one booth for Elijah, one booth for Moses, one booth for Jesus, is the very reason why this story was recorded by the mind of God for you in 2020. This is the very reason of this portion of scripture. God is trying to show us something here. What makes you think that what Peter did, you could not do? Or because that the script of that time sort of impressed it on Peter to do that, you'd assume that such an experience would not appear in another reality in your time, but with the same meaning and thought and intention of things. Now, the Bible tells us, while he was speaking, Behold, a shining cloud composed of light 
overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud says, a voice from the cloud says, this is my beloved son with whom I, listen to Amplified, am and have always been delighted. And the Bible says, listen to him. Listen to him. And immediately, the Bible says when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were seized with alarm and struck with fear. But Jesus came and touched them and said, get up and do not be afraid. And when they raised their eyes after that voice, they saw no one but Jesus only. They saw no one but Jesus only. They saw no one but Jesus only. God allowed a certain eon and placed a certain eon in time for an experience of three men, which later in Galatians 2, after the ascension of the Christ, are called pillars of the faith. The ones that give Barnabas and Paul the right hand of fellowship. That Paul and Barnabas should go and preach the gospel to the uncircumcised as these men pursue the ministry of the circumcised. These three men, James, Peter, and John, were pillars. The Bible in Galatians 2.9 calls them pillars. They seemed to be pillars. So yes, the Christ had the 5,000 that could eat with him. The Christ had the 12 disciples of the Lamb that he instructed and expound mystery unto. But he also had a three, which were pillars. They were the closest fellows to this person, Jesus Christ. And in that separation, he invites them into a certain realm as pillars. This message I'm preaching is for pillars in the church. This vision did not happen before 12 disciples. This vision did not happen before 5,000 people. This vision happened before three pillars. And that is why not many Christians could be able to understand the things that I'm sharing now. And there was a time I would not share some things because the Lord would show me that not many people were able to get them. But lately I feel the boldness of the Spirit impressing as though in my heart, telling me constantly that in the time and hour where we're at, it might not be so important how many get it, but that those that must get it, get it. The rest will find it and understand it later. And so I no longer give excuses for preaching certain things that certain people where they are might not be able to understand them. Because I have a course of responsibility and that is in the realm of my vision in the apostolic. That's my work. That's my work. Because at the end of the day, my accountability to this truth desires that those who have matured enough be not denied the things they must know for the next level of responsibility because of those who have chosen to stay behind. Because not all who have stayed behind have stayed behind because they're not able to move. Some have chosen not to move. And we keep praying that as the pillars in this time understand 
what is happening. We pray, we teach, we exhort, we instruct all men in all wisdom that we might present them mature. The Bible says, in Christ. That's what Colossians says. You do your part in sharing. You do your part in teaching. You do your part in relating with people and showing people all manner of wisdom in all ways as we present all men perfect in Christ. My intercession in this dispensation and time now is more to know God as I have to, but also I take a lot of time to intercede for those who I feel in my spirit need to understand this thing, but for some reason they're being held back by indifference, by secularism, by perversion, by immaturity, by indifference, by confusion, by lack of information, by weakness, by whatever means. So our intercession is that all men might come to the knowledge of the truth because it's possible to ever learn but never come to the knowledge of the truth. And now in this period, in the things that are happening in the spirit realm, a lot of things have been spoken to us. And as a church now, we need to really get into the prophetic words of God and really understand what God is telling us in this period. Because ladies and gentlemen, a lot is happening in the spirit realm. A lot is happening in the spirit realm. We have activities in the spirit realm in this period like have never happened in human history. And so the preciousness of truth cannot be defined enough in the words that I have a language for. So these things I'm sharing, not many people are able to understand them. But I don't mean that you'll need to be in the gospel. There are people who are probably 40 years in the gospel, but they might not understand it. But there's somebody probably got born again three weeks ago or four, one month, but they might be able to understand this. Because it's not about experiences and age. It's not about how many theology books you have. It's not about how many connections you have and how many degrees you have in theology. No. This is about where the heart of that man or woman is in this hour. Because God is dealing with hearts more than our own personal merits and qualifications and experiences. It's the hearts. Now, that's why this vision happens before James, Peter, and John. They are the only ones he can tell that I can dispense general truth for the 5,000. I can dispense exclusive truths for the 12 disciples. But the higher callings, the highest truths of this dispensation and responsibility are for you, the three. As I'm gone, they might never be able. This is Jesus trying to communicate to them in advance. As I leave the flesh, they might never be able to understand everything. But as pillars, these are the things that should give you the higher vision and introduce you to the law of this responsibility. That it is possible for Elijah, the prophets, Moses, the law, and I to appear. And I'm shining. That is the Christ. And because of sometimes 
the inferiority of your vision and the interpretation of the mind of God concerning Christ, it is possible to seek to build booths, to build tents for the inferior people, for the inferior things that each only could give or set forth a portion of the truth that was given them for their own time and in their own ability to do. And that you might put your eyes on all these booths and pay allegiance and submission and order to them because you think by collecting this whole sum, you'll be the complete man. But this is my message, that this is my son, my beloved son, if you understand this one, Moses doesn't need to be there. If you understand this one, Elijah doesn't need to speak to you. If you understand this particular man, Ezekiel or Jeremiah do not need a message to you. When John the Baptist looked at that man, he says, the greater one is coming, of whom I'm unworthy to even untie his own laces. When he saw this man, he says, I must decrease. And he must increase. Why? Because John knew the mystery. He understood that I cannot stand next to this man. I cannot build my portion of truth next to this man. I cannot equate my ministry, even though I'm the greatest among them which were born by women. But when I come next to this man, I grow outwardly dull compared to the ministry and calling concerning his life. The Bible says, in John 17, the first verse, these words spake Jesus. He lifted up his eyes to heaven as he was about to go and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son that thy son may also glorify thee. And he says, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is eternal life. Now I want you to listen. You have glorified the Son, this is Jesus saying, and given him power over all the flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. You have allowed him to have power over all flesh. Follow me. And not only have you given him power over all the flesh, but you have also given him the ability and grace and mandate to give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. So he's the giver of eternal life. And then he defines eternal life, Jesus. And this is the eternal life that he gives men. That they, to whom he gives eternal life, might know thee the only true God. And Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. In other words, Jesus comes to give eternal life. And this is eternal life. That the demystification of the mystery of God, the Father and the Son, are made complete in Revelation. That they are made complete in Revelation. That if they are made complete in Revelation, if all of them can be taught the right way, you will have eternal life. You will have eternal life. When you go to Islam, they'll say, it's Muhammad. Why? Because that's where they see. It's just ended there. That's the portion they see. Joseph Smith, the Mormons, and 
Ellen G. White and all these things and all these fellows that have existed in history. Some are not even anywhere near truth. They are not even connected to the way and mystery of truth. But do you know how Satan has also arranged them and created world faiths and religions? False religions? This is why. Because he understood that it's in the way of man to build booths for everything that can give light. Whether that's the true light from God or otherwise. Remember the Bible says Satan is transformed as the angel of light. Remember Paul is walking, was it through Ephesus or something? And he finds inscriptions of different gods. Every kind of pedestal had a god. If this one can give rain, they give it a name. If this one can give light, they give it a name. If this one can give a job, they give it a name. If this one can give marriage, they give it a name. If this one can give promotion, they give it a name. If whatever can give, whatever they can give. So he beheld devotions. And in all of those many, God somehow sat in there. And there was an inscription to the unknown God. Why? Because every time you equate the portions to this full Christ and assume that he's also just a contributing portion, he becomes unknown. He disappears. Now you see, the same thing that Peter, James and John wanted to do at that mountain of transfiguration is the very thing that befalls the fellows in Ephesus. It's the same thing that befalls the fellows of that day. They too have started putting booths of different gods. And interestingly, this is the amazing thing. The man of the spirit could design that the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they had also connected to Samway. But they did not have a true, full revelation of him. And so they decided to give him a particular what? Pedestal. A particular altar. We shall meet him when we know him. And so he skips all these other gods and comes to this one and starts to define him. He starts to teach him. He tries to show them that this is the only fellow. There is no other. In John the fifth chapter, the 36th verse, if you read the Amplified Version, this is Jesus. He says, but I have as my witness something greater, something weightier, something higher. Listen to the Amplified. Something better than that of John. He says, mine is higher. Mine is weightier. Mine is better than that of John. For the works that the Father has appointed me to accomplish and finish. He says, the very works that I am now doing are a witness and proof that the Father has sent me. And in 37, he says, the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. Not one of you has ever given ear to his voice or seen his form his face, and what he's like. You have always been deaf to his voice and blind to the vision of him. And you have not his word, his thoughts, living in your hearts because you do not believe and adhere and trust and rely in him, living in your hearts. That is why, he says, 
you do not keep his message living in you because you do not believe in his messenger. He says, 39, emphasize this. You search, this is Jesus telling them, you search and investigate and pour over the scriptures diligently because you suppose and trust that you have eternal life through them. And these very scriptures are testifying about me. So he's saying, the Jews had learned that the scriptures give eternal life and that they should diligently search, investigate, and pour themselves into. Because they know once you go into the word, you'll get answers. But he says, but every time they were searching, they would only end on the portions each gave about the Christ. But they could not have a holistic vision that all of these things that were being set before were all talking about one man. And so, their heart is not transformed. It is not changed. They are not renewed. They cannot be transformed. They cannot see the results that they are supposed to be seeing. Because every time they go in truth, they are not able to connect everything written to Christ. They are not able to bring together everything into the mystery of Christ. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm laboring to tell you that that challenge was not only in the people we are reading. I have heard people who have read Bibles, I've heard preachers who have preached, and from where I see, I could see that they have easily gotten in interpreting the portions that are given by some of the men and women that they're reading about in Scripture. They're able to apprehend the portions that are set by the different gifts in human history and Scripture, to learn from the portions that these men are able to give concerning truth. But not many have the ability to articulate the holistic picture that collects all these portions into this one portion, Jesus Christ. When you're talking about Moses, the teacher of the law, the Bible says that the law was given by Moses. Versus the law was given by Moses. But grace and truth came by Jesus. Grace and truth came by Jesus. The rest that happened before the Christ just brought portions of the truth. But the truth came by Jesus. Did you get it? All the prophets, all the law, all the great men and women of God that have preached this earth were all bringing portions of the truth. Each. But all of these portions of the truth cannot anywhere be equated to the holistic picture, the truth. Jesus comes with the truth. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Nobody gets to the Father except through me. Do you know what that means? It means that you don't need a self-improvement program. 
You need Jesus. You might never need to read every book there is in the world about success in your industry. But study Jesus. You'll be a success in your industry. You might never read every book, and I'm not saying it's bad to read. I'm a reader. But I read everything I've read. Quantum physics, I've read science, I've read the universe. I read, I'm a reader. But every time I read, I want to see Jesus. If I don't see Jesus in some, it doesn't matter how beautiful it appears. It will melt with element and importance. One man said, Read many books, but live in one. Live in the Bible. What was he trying to say? That never emphasize the different portions of ideas of human life and teachings above the most important ministry, Christ, the revelation. Even if you never read any other book from today, to the day you will die. And just simply take time to study Christ. His life. His mandate. His person. His ministry. You will be successful. You will be the most successful person. That has ever walked the surface of this earth. The Bible says that it pleased God the Father. That in him should dwell all the fullness of God bodily. He is the express image of the invisible God. In whom are hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He is the firstborn among them that have been begotten. He is the light of the world. He is the king of kings. He is the lord of all. He is the darling of heaven. He is the propitiation of our sins. He is the beginning and the end. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the present and the future. He is the author and the finisher of your faith. He is the one who sticks closer than the brother. He's your ever-present help in time of need. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And that light shined in darkness. And darkness comprehended him not. John came to speak of that man. Elijah was talking about him. Jeremiah was talking about him. Ezekiel was talking about him. Abraham was talking about him. Moses was talking about him. The teachers were talking about him. The prophets were talking about him. Everybody is talking about him. Rebecca Grace preaching. I am Point to this one man. Keep your vision on that. Christ, the revelation. Let every truth be inferior to Christ, the truth. Regard Christ above any other reality and definition of truth. Yes, HIV is incurable. According to the facts of the world. And it kills men. But what is the truth? What is the truth? 
Jesus said that behold I have given you power over all and even the power of the enemy. And he says that none of those things shall by any means hurt you. It does not matter what HIV has been called. He has given you power to trample and tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And when the Bible speaks of giving you power, the word their power, he expresses the choice. He has given you the liberty to do as you please over anything demonic. He has given you the ability to do as you please over the power of the devil. He has given you the liberty and the choice to choose how to deal with anything that can hurt you. That is the truth. That is the truth. I don't care whether the doctor gave you two days. Jesus is still the truth. He says you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. I don't care what the government says. I don't care what your economy says. I don't care what your body is feeling. It doesn't matter what you've gone through. Which family you were born. Which networks you have. Which connections are for you. How you are. What is going on in your life. It doesn't matter the worst report you can ever receive in the world. Listen, Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. What I've said is still superior. Don't build a booth around HIV. Don't build a booth around COVID. Don't build a booth around poverty. Don't build a booth around failure. Don't build a booth around pain. Don't build a booth around deception. Don't build a booth around weakness. Don't build a booth around barrenness. Don't build a booth around impotence. Don't build a booth about what the doctor said. Don't build a booth around what your organization told you. Don't build a booth around the letters that you were given. Don't build a booth around your age. Don't put a booth on your color. Don't put a booth around your education. Don't put a booth around your connections. Don't build a booth around your family lineage. Don't put a booth around your genealogy. So in your family, people get cancers. Oh, they get hypertension. Oh, our people are diabetic. Don't build booths. Build only this one. This is my beloved son. This is my beloved son. And he says, believe him. If you bow before him, when you rise, you'll only see him. You'll not see cancer. You will see him. You'll not see failure. You'll see him. You'll not see death. You will see him. You'll not see weakness. You will see him. You'll not see regression. You will see him. You'll not see backtrackings. You'll see him. You'll not see indifference. You'll see him. You'll not see backslidedness. You'll see him. You'll not see weakness. You will see him. You'll not see sorrow. You will see him. You'll not feel pain. You will see him. The author and the finisher of your faith. Of your faith. So what is truth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The world has its own definition. But what is truth? The truth is Jesus. The risen son of God. The giver of eternal life. The champion of heaven. For who saw the joy that was beset him. And you at the cross. The Bible says he was given a name above all names. 
And at the sound of that name, every knee bows and every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord to the Father. Keep that vision. Keep that vision. Keep the vision of Christ. I want to pray with you right now. Oh. Oh. Shalalala Bazeti.
we choose your truth we choose whatever you have said let God be true and every man a liar everything Jesus has spoken and is is your vision no boots anymore on anything or anybody except Christ he has the final say over your health he has the final say over your family he has the final say over your children he has the final say over your future he has the final say over your career he has the final say over your destiny and claim every word that he has spoken and take him for it because he shall perform it he is able to perform it he is the word that became flesh and dwelt among us and we behold his only glory as the only true son of God full of grace and truth that grace undergirds your house that truth undergirds your health it's the preservation of your marriage it's the preservation of your destiny things are aligning for you the winds of change are for your favor the frustrations of life are far away from you the winds of violence and plunder of destruction and strife are far from you God sends winds of the spirit to carry you into rest to carry you into hope to carry you into peace to carry you into joy to carry you into prosperity to carry you into advancement the people that are to advance you have been positioned for you this week the people that are for your favor have been positioned for you this year this very month I see that things are starting to align for you the things that must favor you are ready and excited they are anxious to meet you and they are going to come over you faster than you can count. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. And great days await you. Great light is on your life. In spite of the darkness around the world. You are strong. You are wise. You are great. You are with God now than you have ever been with him before. You are at your brightest and yet you're going to be brighter tomorrow because Jesus says so and that is the truth in Jesus name Amen if you've never given your life to Christ how can you not how can you not receive him how can you not love him he shed his blood for your sins and gave his life that you might live and he's giving you an open invitation to receive him as your Lord and Savior. You pray these words with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you because you died for my sins and was raised for my glory. I receive you tonight as my personal Lord and Savior. Amen. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 
1-800-242-4291 or email us at funerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.funero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest.